The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 353 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is what family caregivers should know about strokes, heart attacks, and blood clots. The body uses a blood clot, which doctors call a thrombus, to prevent blood loss from a blood vessel that's sufficiently injured to bleed. Blood clots that form normally like this provide vital protection against loss of blood from injured blood vessels. But in some circumstances or conditions, blood clots may form in blood vessels that are not leaking blood and harm, sometimes serious harm, can result. For example, if the blood clots are large, they can obstruct the blood flow and deprive parts of the body of oxygen, which, of course, can be very helpful. If the blood clot, clot or clots break up, their parts travel in the blood vessels, and each part is called an embolus. And if the parts are large enough, they can obstruct the blood flow and deprive the parts of the body of oxygen through a process called thromboembolism, which also can be very harmful. So, blood clotting is vital for preventing dangerous blood loss, but when something goes wrong with blood clotting, serious harm can occur, which is why our topic what family caregivers should know about strokes, heart attacks, and blood clots is so important for family caregivers. Family caregivers for family members are living with um, these kinds of challenges. Now, to discuss our topic, our guest is Dr. Ben Bell. Ben is a specialist in general internal medicine with appointments at North York General and Sioux Area Hospitals. He's a lecturer in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto. He's an executive member of Thrombosis Canada, and in this role, he's been actively developing online knowledge translation tools to provide healthcare providers with point-of-care decision aids. His areas of clinical interest include cardiovascular medicine, diabetes, osteoporosis, and venous thromboembolism. So, first, welcome to the show, first of all, Ben. Thank you, Gordon. Pleasure to be here tonight. Great. Now, first question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and any experience you have with family caregiving. 
Well, as a specialist in general internal medicine, I deal with uh, family and caregivers on a daily basis, and certainly in my own personal life, I've been a, uh, a, a, a caregiver for ailing family members at times as well. I see patients in the emergency room when they're, when they're being admitted to the hospital up front. I see them in the, uh, in the wards uh, where hopefully we get them home as soon as possible with often the aid of their, uh, of their loving family members and other caregivers. And I also see them in follow-up in my general practice clinic where, again, uh, families and caregivers are vital in providing patients um, uh, with care, with, with, with their time. Um, and so my job is, has been very diverse in, the, in, in, that, in that sense. Uh, um, my job frequently involves interacting with with patients and their families and deciding on appropriate disposition plans. For instance, when unfortunately somebody comes into hospital with a debilitating stroke, for instance, it's extremely important that we uh, get together with not only the patient but also their also their families and ensure that we put together a plan that is that is uh, acceptable to everybody and ensure that the patient is cared for in as appropriate way as is as is absolutely uh, as is absolutely possible. Is there anything more you'd like to say about your career? You've done a lot of things. Anything more that you'd like to add about your career, Ben? Uh, so, so I'm a fairly new general internist. I've been in practice for now two and a half years, but I've been very lucky to be um, uh, invited to be on the executive committee of, of Thrombosis Canada. And thank you for inviting that uh, that comment. Uh, it, Thrombosis Canada has been a wonderful uh, organization. I've been a, I've been honored to be a part of, and it's really um, allowed me to 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 develop at least a small subspecialty in thrombosis medicine through the through the uh, assistance of mentorships through people like Bill Gertz and Jim Duquettis, who are really world leaders in thrombosis and also members of, uh, of, of, of Thrombosis Canada. With the organization, I've really been focusing on uh, developing knowledge translation tools, and that's kind of a buzzword. And what it really means is developing a great website, a great app that allows us to disseminate our our uh, our knowledge to a broader audience, like other physicians, but also families and their and their caregivers and patients. Of course, it's extremely important that uh, that patients and their families are well educated with respect to their disease and 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 disease prevention. And so, Thrombosis Canada is focused on that. And I've been honored to sorry, and I've been very lucky to be a part of that. Right. Now, let's go back to your work as a specialist in general internal medicine. Please tell us more about that. For example, what, what are the kinds of conditions that you see most of? Uh, under what circumstances do you see them? That kind of thing. Please tell us more about your work as a specialist. Sure. Ben? So, uh, so, so my practice is very diverse. I see patients, uh, as I, as I mentioned, in the emergency department when they're first coming in with with uh, medical presentations, and and of course, general internal medicine is kind of a specialty that people don't really know what it is. Even some physicians don't don't really understand it all that well. Most most physicians up front choose to make a distinction between whether or not they want to be surgeons or 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 involved 
involved in medicine. And so I, of course, made the decision up front to be involved in medicine. And once that decision is made, the question is, is does one want to be a specialist in family medicine or a specialist in internal medicine uh, uh, or other, or, or other uh, medical specialties like yourself in occupational medicine? I chose to become a specialist in internal medicine. And, 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 and what that really means is, is I deal with, with adults who are unwell, often with chronic disease or diseases that are undifferentiated up front or with complex multi-system disease. And so, so that distinguishes me from a cardiologist, say, that deals with, the, that deals with diseases of the heart, uh, uh, from a nephrologist that's a specialist of internal medicine that deals with diseases uh, mostly relating to the kidney. I deal with, uh, with, with all diseases that, that afflict adults, um, uh, and I'm a specialist in general medicine, meaning I'm a specialist in coming to diagnostic solutions and um, and uh, to treating patients who have multi-system disease that really does not fit into any single uh, specialty. Thrombosis medicine seems to be fairly um, uh, within the realm of general internal medicine, and there's been a rapid expansion of that lately, and general internists are really coming to the forefront of treating uh, uh, many thrombotic diseases, including heart attacks, strokes, and uh, venous thromboembolism, which is really uh, referring to blood clots in the veins, uh, of most often of the legs, and blood clots in the lungs. And so, and so within general internal medicine, I'm seeing patients in the emergency room after they've been assessed by the emergency room physician. I'm seeing patients on the inpatient wards where uh, I'm most responsible for their day-to-day care within the hospital and coming up with uh, uh, adequate uh, uh, disposition plans and, and getting patients home in a uh, safe and robust manner. And I'm seeing patients in, in, in a general medicine clinic, often referred from the emergency department where they present with unclear or undifferentiated disease and need an internal medicine specialist, but don't necessarily need to be admitted to the hospital. Right. So it's a very diverse practice. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask you a bit of a loaded question. You've spoken very supportively of family caregiving, but just let me ask you this. Uh, There's more and more, we know that there's more and more pressure on hospitals pretty well everywhere to send people home as soon as possible because the healthcare system uh, basically is very pressurized and because policy is favoring the idea of people being cared for at home. Now, is that then an argument, the point that I've just put to you, first of all, do you agree with it? And secondly, is that an argument then for the kind of support that you are giving to family caregivers? Ben? There is absolutely no question that there are increasing pressures on uh, having patients uh, discharged from hospital as soon as possible. And as you say, there are, there are, there's very good reason for that. Patients who don't need to be in the hospital are, are best managed at home, not only from a systems perspective, but also often from a, a patient and family-centered perspective. If, if I were a patient, I didn't need to be in hospital, I can say that I would certainly rather be managed at, managed at home if that is at all possible and safe. And certainly if my mother, God forbid, was in the hospital, I would rather her be at home as soon as possible so that I can care for her and I can know that she's in, in her own uh, environment. And also the home environment is also often most convenient for 
for for patients. So I think both from a both from a uh, healthcare system and from a patient and family member perspective, early discharge from hospital is is a good thing. It's a win win. Now, of course. Um, uh, having people discharge home from hospital more quickly certainly requires uh, um, uh, stronger supports at home, which often comes in the form of home care. And in 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 Ontario, we call that CCAC. Uh, it often comes in the support, though, as well of family members. And certainly, uh, uh, it is it is far easier for me to discharge a patient from hospital uh, if they have a a a strong uh, family and caregiver support network available. Right. Now, at this point, talking about things being available, this is the point at which we have to take the break. As I always say, this is where we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Dr. Ben Bell. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ben Bell. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about strokes, heart attacks, and blood clots. 
Ben, now let's talk about the conditions that what I'm going to call problematic blood clots cause and your work in, work in developing these knowledge tools to help healthcare providers and others in providing care for the conditions you're going to talk about. So the first question is, please explain how blood clots cause strokes, heart attacks, and what you call venous thromboembolism. And we want you, I want you to explain what that is. And in total, numerically or otherwise, how important to healthcare are the effects of blood clots? Ben? Yeah, so as you said in your, in, your, in your introduction, it's normal for us to form blood clots. In the wild, when we're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, I should hope that if I'm bit, I'll, I'll, my blood will coagulate and I won't bleed out and I'll be able to escape. However, it's a delicate balance between normal coagulation and abnormal coagulation. And generally speaking, uh, blood coagulation would be considered abnormal when it occurs within the blood vessel. In general terms, there are two kinds of blood vessels. They're the ones that bring blood and oxygen to the organs, and those are called arteries. And there are the tubes that bring blood uh, and deoxygenated blood back from the organs to the heart, and those are called the veins. And this distinction is important because it really uh, uh, speaks to a distinction in causes of etiologies of blood clots. Generally speaking, blood clots that occur in arteries is is a result of a disease called atherosclerosis, which is really the buildup of cholesterol and fat plaques on the inside of our, of our arteries. Things like smoking, um, a high-fat diet, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, and a sedentary lifestyle predispose people to getting atherosclerosis inside of their, inside of their arteries. And when those plaques within the arteries rupture, it causes, it causes a blood clot. Uh, unfortunately, these, these, the, the insides of these plaques are very, as we call, thrombogenic, meaning they cause the blood coagulation system to activate. And so when one of these plaques ruptures, say, in a coronary artery, that, that can cause the coronary artery to obstruct and result in a blood clot occurring uh, there causing a myocardial infarction or heart attack. When a similar thing happens in the brain, it can cause a stroke. And when it happens in the legs, it can cause um, uh, something colloquially termed a leg attack or, or, or ischemia, lack of blood, to, to, to a toe or a foot. And these can all be very serious things, as you can well imagine. This, however, is in distinction to blood clots that occur in the, in the veins, uh, and that's known as venous thromboembolism. When a blood clot happens within the leg, that's called a deep venous thrombosis, and when that blood clot moves, which it can, to the lungs, that's called a pulmonary embolism. The causes of blood clots in the legs are, generally speaking, less well-defined than uh, blood clots in the arteries. We definitely know that it's normal for us to form blood clots in the legs after we're admitted to hospital, after we undergo major surgery. Uh, in some occasions, it's certainly known to happen more often in the context of pregnancy and the birth control pill use. 
and so that's why uh, it's very important for institutions to have policies in place for people to get medications routinely when they're in the hospitals to prevent um, these abnormal blood clots from forming uh, uh, in the legs. Now, I'm just going to I'm just, Ben, I'm just going to stop you because I just want you to answer, give us a picture of how important these things that you're talking about, the strokes, the heart attacks, venous thromboembolism, is this an important threat to health and therefore health care, uh, or is it something that just occasionally happens? Ben? No, no, no. Certainly, uh, sorry, this is, this is an extremely important topic. Uh, there's absolutely no question that there is a lot of morbidity and mortality that result from abnormal thrombosis. Heart attacks can be very big problems. They can result in chronic debility and occasionally can present with death. Similarly, strokes can take a highly functional person in one moment to a disabled person at the the next. Similarly, blood clots, particularly when they go to the lungs from the veins, can also result in lots of chronic problems, shortness of breath, and also occasionally present as death. These problems are uh, extremely important, and, it's ex- and they're most, most often preventable. And so it's very important that everyone understands the, um, the uh, significance of abnormal thrombosis. Got it. Now, switch. I'm going to switch a little bit. I want, Ben, please, you to explain your work in developing online knowledge translation tools, and I think you, you may need to help us understand what those are, to provide healthcare providers with what you term point-of-care decision aids for conditions caused by blood clots. So, please explain. Ben? Sure. So there's been a very rapid expansion in our knowledge of the causes and the treatments of blood clots over the past decade, but particularly so in the past three or four years when there has been many new medications and treatments that have become available. And quite often, these medications and treatments are occurring so rapidly that it's difficult for physicians and indeed uh, patients and their families to keep up up to date with them to make sure the most recent and evidence-based treatments are being developed. More and more, we're seeing things move towards point-of-care decision aids. And when I say that, what, what I mean is the doctor is sitting in front of the patient, the physician picks up his or her cell phone or sits in front of his or her computer, looks something up on the internet, and makes a decision at that, at that point. And so, uh, as, so as part of my uh, tenure with Thrombosis Canada, I've, I've aided in developing point-of-care guides, which are uh, rapid-fire, up-to-date summaries of the most recent evidence and guidelines. And I've also uh, um, uh, helped with Thrombosis Canada developing decision aid tools, so algorithms. So patient characteristics are put in. Let's say a patient is felt to be at risk for having a stroke because they have an abnormal uh, heartbeat, for instance. The physician can enter very specific clinical data with respect to that patient, and the, and the cellular phone app immediately gives the physician a recommendation in terms of what antithrombotic, for instance, that patient should be on. 
I think this is really important because, as I said, the pace of expansion of knowledge has been so quick that it is easy for physicians to um, to uh, be, be providing perhaps outdated care. Right. Now, I'm leading, this is another of my leading questions. I want you to explain to us any work you're doing or thinking of doing in developing online knowledge translation tools for family caregivers, caring for family members, living with conditions that you've been talking about caused by blood clots. Ben? Yes, so Thrombosis Canada has a committee that is dedicated to patient and families. The, the the committee is actively working on a um, on a set of um, uh, easily accessible and printable guide that will be available on our website that will educate patients and families about their diagnoses and the medications that they're on in plain, easy to understand language. Um, uh, this is something that we are very proud of and has certainly been a focus of Thrombosis Canada since its inception. We're going to be launching a patient and family dedicated website uh, in the coming uh, weeks, which we're also very excited about. Mm. Now, in that sense, you're paralleling what the family caregivers need to know with what the physicians need to know but there'll be a difference in complexity obviously and technical specifications and the rest of it but at the same time is it fair to say that what you're doing in developing these tools these online tools is actually to bring the physicians and the family caregivers up to speed in the sense to make sure that they know what they or have access to the knowledge that they need to have to deal with the situations that are confronting them there and then. Is that right? That's exactly uh, correct. I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Now, where that takes us then is that this is something that goes out into the broader community. We are, as everybody knows, a bilingual country. There are many more people in Canada now for whom English or French are not first languages, and there are people for whom English is a struggle. Have you any plans to do these things you're doing, especially for family caregivers, in languages other than the two official languages? At this point, we have we have not launched that plan, but that is a that is a most excellent question. And certainly, if resources allow, we will do our best to translate these into as many languages as possible. They are being developed in English, and to and to my knowledge, we will be translating them into French as well. And all of the point of care physician guides are also available in both official languages, but we've not translated beyond uh, beyond that yet. Uh, Unfortunately, the reason that I raise it is that um, we also deal um, in knowledge that needs interpretation because what language that we use in everyday ways, talking about the types of hospitals, is not that the uh, are not understood those terms. It's simply that they may mean thing, different things in different languages. Um, and I've had one, a little bit of experience myself of this kind of trouble with language. So in that sense, there's not only a making sure that 
the, the documentation is intelligible to people in different languages, but also in, the, in this sense, a positive sense, it's culturally suitable in the sense that it conveys to them what it really, what we really mean, but in a language that they understand. Now, I obviously am getting carried away by that point, but it nevertheless is important. But there's something more important, which is it's time for us to take the break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Ben Bell. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life, supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals, while helping you realize the connection between mind and body and spirit you'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance stress management and personal development the wellness lounge a step further airs mondays at 9 a.m eastern time 6 a.m pacific time on voice america empowerment you may know how to make money but do you know how to manage it and make it work for you that's where the financial you radio show comes in Host Annette Rayner and her guests will show you how to keep your financial future in check. Money matters in just about every part of your life. doesn't matter if you work for a Fortune 500 company or the neighborhood store. Your financial goals can be realized. Listen for The Financial You every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel because your money matters. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ben Bell. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about strokes, heart attacks and blood clots. Ben, now let's talk about the things that family caregivers should know when they're caring at home for a family member with a particular condition caused by a blood clot. And I'm going to give you examples of some conditions um, or broad categories anyway. So, Ben, what are the most important things that family caregivers should know when they're caring at home for a family member with a serious condition of the brain that's been caused by a blood clot? Ben? Sure. So when we talk about serious conditions of the brain that have been caused by blood clot, I really think what we're talking about is 
stroke. And so I would say the most important things to be aware of would be, firstly, preventing the next stroke, because somebody who has had one is certainly at risk for having another stroke, and preventing the consequences of a stroke. And, of course, being aware of the warning signs of a stroke should another one occur, so immediate medical attention can be sought. In terms of preventing uh, a stroke, I think that ensuring that uh, that the individual that your that your loved one uh, uh, has has well controlled blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, is is of utmost importance. Those are the risk factors that predispose to atherosclerosis that we talked about before. If you're if if the person who has suffered a, a stroke is a smoker, I think it's extremely important excuse me, that that individual tries their absolute best to stop smoking because for whatever reason, cigarette smoke accelerates atherosclerosis in all of our vascular beds. Uh, I think that ensuring that the individual does not have an abnormal heartbeat, known as atrial fibrillation, uh, is, is very important. And so if the individual notes that they're experiencing palpitations or if you happen to feel their, their pulse and feel that it's irregular, I think it's very important, unless, of course, that, that has already been diagnosed, that you alert the patient's physician that that is the case because the presence of that arrhythmia may dramatically change the management of, uh, of somebody who has suffered a, 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 a stroke in terms of preventing the next one. Uh, I think also that, of course, it's important to ensure that the individual is taking all their medications every day as they've been prescribed. It's shocking to learn uh, how often medications aren't taken uh, as they've been prescribed, and I think that there's a huge burden of disease that can be prevented, if at all possible. When we talk about consequences of strokes, depending, it really, it, it depends upon the seriousness of the initial event. Some people are very lucky and get away with a stroke without any residual problems. And I think in those people, the focus really must be on prevention of the next stroke, as I just said. In people who have had serious strokes, people who are who are left bedbound or have difficulty or have a difficult time swallowing. I think that it's important that we prevent consequences like uh, bed sores from developing. So ensuring that the individual is turned on a frequent basis and not lying in bed all day, if at all possible. It's important that uh, we adhere to the, to the diet that has been prescribed for uh, the individual, so that so that we don't risk food going down the wrong tube, which can result in a pneumonia. I also think um, that, that discussing goals of care with your loved one uh, uh, is a very important thing uh, as well. Uh, so often in modern day medicine, we can do we can do a lot of interventions, but they're not necessarily interventions that the individual w- would want. And so I think that it's important that families and their uh, that 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 families discuss openly with one another what they would want should they become critically ill. In terms of being aware of warning signs for a stroke, strokes can prevent in a variety of ways. Most often, we think about new neurologic problems like weakness in a limb, like uh, like difficulty 
with sensation in a particular part of the body. But strokes can also pre- uh, present in a variety of different ways, including blindness, confusion, difficult time uh, swallowing. And so I think that any rapid change in, in, a, in a person who has suffered a stroke and certainly be due to another stroke. And so, and so patients and their families uh, uh, should be aware of these things as well. Right. Now, it's the same question for you. What are the most important things that family caregivers should know? This time, when they're caring at home for a family member that's exp- who's experienced a heart attack, um, uh, what you call the myocardial infarction, due to a blood clot. What are the most important things that the family caregiver should know in those circumstances? Right. So again, I think that when we talk, so, 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 so I'm thinking about this in my, in my own mind in terms of preventing the next stroke, excuse me, preventing the next heart attack, um, uh, and dealing with the consequences of the first one that has occurred. And so the risk factors for strokes and uh, heart attacks are actually quite similar. And so, again, I think it's important that blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes are all managed as, as per guidelines. And so it's very important that patients are taking their medications to ensure that we're at those targets. Again, people should, should stop smoking if at all possible. Finally, I think that warning signs um, uh, should be should be people should be aware of warning signs of another of another uh, heart attack. Again, depending on the individual, heart attacks can present in a variety of ways. I think that um, for somebody who has had a heart attack before, it is important that they try their very best to remember what that what that sensation felt like, so that when they come to the emergency department, should they experience that again, they can say to the emergency room physician right away, "I've had a heart attack before, and I'm experiencing the same discomfort." It can be chest pain, chest pressure, palpitations, pain running down the arm. It can, be, it can present in different ways in different people. But it's important that you be aware of what your symptoms are like. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, this very same question, but this time about something you've mentioned, venous thromboembolism. So please, first of all, run past us again what you, what's meant by venous thromboembolism and then the important things that family caregivers should know when they're caring for someone who's had something caused by venous thromboembolism. Ben? Right. So, so as you say, venous thromboembolism is a, is is a less well defined uh, disease when it, at, at least when it comes to um, non medical professionals. Everyone knows what a stroke and a heart attack is. But what is venous thromboembolism? Venous thromboembolism is when a blood clot, most often forms in the leg, and that's called a deep venous thrombosis, and it can progress to a pulmonary embolism. That's when that blood clot, which is in the leg, can migrate up to the, up to the lungs. And so venous thromboembolism is unfortunately 
common and can be under-recognized because it can present in a variety of ways. And so, again, when it comes to venous thromboembolism, it's really the key is, is about preventing the next one. And so when an individual has been diagnosed with a blood clot in their legs, called a deep venous thrombosis or DVT, or a pulmonary embolism, TE for short, a physician will most commonly prescribe a blood thinning medication for a period of at least three months. It's extremely important that the individual takes that blood thinning medication as is prescribed by his or her physician. The blood thinning medication uh, on some occasions requires monitoring, and the monitoring is usually done on a fairly frequent basis up front, and so it's important that the person uh, is able to make it to the lab to have that blood test done because uh, when treated with a particular medication, it's important that there's not too much and not too little, but just enough of that medication on board, and unfortunately, everybody needs a different amount. Newer medications don't need to have the blood levels checked, but it's extremely important that the person takes that medication every single day to prevent a recurrent blood clot or the one that's already inside from getting worse. It's important for family members and caregivers to be aware of the signs of a, of a, of a new blood clot from forming. For instance, in somebody who has suffered a uh, blood clot in the leg in the past, they can have another clot in the future, but it can be in the lungs on that occasion. And so the signs and symptoms of that can be completely different and unfamiliar to, uh, to the patient. So signs of blood clot in the leg can include pain, swelling, redness, uh, uh, and, and signs of blood clot in the lungs can include um, palpitations of the heart, shortness of breath, chest pain, especially when taking a breath in, and rarely coughing up blood. And so it's important that people are aware of these things and seek urgent medical attention should that occur. So, you know uh, exactly what I'm going to say next, which is all that you've been saying is content for family caregiver guidelines along the lines that you've already been talking about and that you're interested in doing and are going to do. Um, But they have a particular uh, emphasis that you brought out, and that is, well, two really, prevention and recognizing when some, the same thing is either happening again or could be happening again. Now, that means that this information that you're producing, uh, and this is my leading question, really has to be available online so people can see it, family caregivers can consult it at any hour of any day. Am I right about that? Yes, of course. And at Thrombosis Canada, we recognize that need for knowledge and part of our, and part of our mandate is education, not only of healthcare professionals, but also of, uh, but also of the public. And so our patient and family centered committee is actively working on uh, developing a set of tools for patients and family members that that outline not only the medications yet that people may be treated with, but also uh, the diseases themselves and warning signs for those diseases. I think you're you're completely right. It's very important that that information is available, and it's very important that people are aware of that information. Uh, and so, hopefully, the 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 website will be used by not only physicians but also uh, the public. Right. 
Good. Now, once again, it's time to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Dr. Ben Bell. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. Get ready to experience a more fulfilling lifestyle. Tune in to Direct Connect Empowerment with host Fee Mazanki. The show will feature guests who have changed their lives by using the Direct Connect coaching program or have worked with the same concepts that this program offers. By hearing how others have been transformed, you will be inspired to move forward. Direct Connect Empowerment with Fee Mazanki can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking to get unstuck from the rut that has seemingly become your life? Move ahead by tuning in to Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck. Host Dr. Jeffrey Shaw and his guests will help with the encouragement you need to make that forward move. Guests include therapists, financial advisors, and more, as well as shared stories of hope from the listening audience. Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Ben Bell. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about strokes, heart attacks, and blood clots, including those deep vein clots that we've just been hearing about. Now, Ben, let's talk about what more you would like to do and to see done to enhance care by healthcare providers and family caregivers for conditions caused by blood clots. That, that's the broad theme. Let me ask you the question for you. What more would you like to do and see done and by whom to enhance care provided by healthcare providers caring for the conditions you've been talking about? 
Ben? Sure. So the best medicine is prevention, in my opinion. And I think that, um, that, that physicians having adequate time to sit down with their patients and counsel them on, uh, on, on healthy lifestyle habits is probably the single best thing we can do, not only for, um, for um, uh, the treatment and prevention of blood clots, of heart attacks, of strokes, uh, but I think that it's probably the single most intervention that we can do in general for our, for, for our patient's health. And so counseling on healthy eating, on smoking cessation, on an active lifestyle, I think is extremely important and cannot be forgotten in the day-to-day mishap of what of what practicing medicine can be sometimes when it's just so busy and you've got 25,000 patients waiting uh, 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 in your waiting room. Within the hospitals to prevent venous thromboembolism, I think it is extremely important that we ensure that all eligible patients are prescribed uh, venous thromboembolism prophylaxis, meaning medications, most often injectables, that are given to patients while they're in the hospital to prevent blood clots from forming. We know that patients who are admitted to hospital, either for surgical or medical causes, are at high risk of developing blood clots, and we can very, very uh, actively prevent these by, uh, by administering these uh, prophylactic medications, and they should be given essentially to all patients who aren't at elevated risk of bleeding. Right. I think that's really what the healthcare system right now should be, should be, should be focusing on is prevention. Unfortunately, okay. when these diseases take root, I think that ensuring that people get evidence-based uh, secondary prevention strategies are extremely important. It's important that we treat blood pressure to target, that we get diabetics under adequate control, and that cholesterol is, is aggressively treated as well. People who have suffered from blood clots in the legs should be on uh, blood medications for at least three months and sometimes longer depending on their, depending on their risk of having recurrent events. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you to say what more you would like to do and see done and by whom to enhance care by family caregivers caring for conditions caused by blood clots. Now, we, we've already identified and we're powerfully supportive of the idea of this, these information services, I'm going to call them, for family caregivers in the various circumstances. But what are the other things that might be done besides those in addition to what you're doing to enhance care by family caregivers? Well, there's absolutely no question that the patient's strongest advocate will be that patient's caregiver. So I think that it's important that if at, if at all possible, when patients are admitted to, to hospitals for these conditions, that, that, uh, that, that, that their caregivers are available at the bedside. So number one, they're also educated on the, on the disease that their loved one has been admitted with, but also so that they can provide more history and advocate for on the patient's behalf if they're unable to do so at the bedside. Um, uh, being aware that, um, that uh, the patient should be receiving probably an injection medication every single day they're in the hospital to prevent the onset of blood clots uh, 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 should, be, should be something that, 
that uh, caregivers are aware of so they can bring it to the physician's attention if, for whatever reason, the, the individual is not getting that medication. Uh, as I say, the, mo- the strongest advocate for a patient after the patient, uh, his or herself, is, is that person's uh, uh, family and, and caregivers. Let me put, just put something quickly to you, and that is the notion of the circle of care. That is, the, the physicians, nurses, specialists, others who take part in the caring of a particular patient in a particular set of circumstances. There's some suggestion that at least some family caregivers should be seen as members of the circle of care in the sense that they're watching out for things, that they're helping uh, promote the idea of prevention and that they're keeping a watch over medications. What do you think about that idea, Ben? I think that there is no doubt that uh, the patient and the patient's caregivers are, of course, a circle, uh, of course, an integral part of the circle of care. Um, um, the, The physicians and the nurses are providing care for that patient, really, while they're in the hospital or seeing the physician in in their clinic. The the majority of the care falls upon the caregivers. Of course, and so yes, I think it is extreme. I I, I think it, it almost goes without saying that um, that uh, these people, although not medical, are certainly part of the circle of care and play an integral role and should be extremely educated on the disease right. that their loved one has. Yes, great, great. Now, very final question to you: What's your message to family caregivers who've just learned that a loved one? is to be discharged from hospital following treatment for a stroke. What's your message? Whew. That's, a, that's really a tough question. I think that, I think that at number one, it depends on, on how serious the stroke is because certainly the, the um, amount of care that will be required by, by a family caregiver will vary dramatically depending on the seriousness of the stroke. If a person is left with a minor or no disability, I think that it's important that that person's caregiver is really aware that um, that the individual has had a stroke and should be aware of the warning signs of a recurrent stroke and know that uh, urgent medical attention should be sought if somebody um, uh, is concerned that a stroke is occurring because there are clot-busting medications that, be, that can be given within three to four hours of a stroke onset that, can, that have been shown to, um, to uh, reverse at least some of the effects of a stroke that may otherwise be debilitating. If a family member um, has been diagnosed with a more debilitating stroke that for whatever reason wasn't eligible to receive these medications, then I think that it's important that that, that, that person is aware of, um, of the number one, the diagnosis and the individual's prognosis and to consider if the individual is unable to make, um, to make uh, his or her own decisions moving forward, what that person would want uh, their loved one's members' uh, goals of care to be should there be a change in his or her health. I think that uh, it's important we recognize that the healthcare system, that healthcare in general in 2014 can offer a lot of interventions, uh, but not all of them are necessarily good or in keeping with what an individual would want. And so considering those options, I think, uh, I think is very important for 
people who have chronic illness who are unable to make their own decisions. That's a very powerful message. And I think what I would just summarize back to you is that the family caregivers need to ask questions, don't they, um, from physicians, from others who are continue to be involved with their loved ones or who were involved when they were in hospital. Um, now, we've unfortunately come to the end of this extremely interesting and important um, episode. Ben, thank you. And what I'm going to say is almost rude, but it's not. It's keep up the good work. What I mean by that, obviously, is that what you are doing and the way you're doing it and the way in which you're con conveying the power of information for physicians, for other healthcare providers, and for family caregivers, uh, and using the internet and technology to do it, is a powerfully important message of care, types of care, for our times. So thank you, and please do keep up the good work. I want to say well, thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Gordon. I really do appreciate being uh, yeah, being invited to speak with you this evening. You're very welcome. Now, I also want to say thank you to our listeners. And in closing, I just want to mention that with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about or have experience with important topics such as the one we've just been listening to. So please email me to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be care needed by individuals with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and their family caregivers. Please join us same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful.